when I watched, well, I didn't watch, I listened to pieces of it, <sighs> the inability to take any sort of accountability for right. what had happened. Like, here's the thing. You said what had if, happened? <laughs> yeah. See, what like, had happened was. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of grease in my hand. Dig me tripping up and back down to buy you. I'm the last of the best, they call me the Greedy Man. Got many clients. Come from miles around, running down my prescription. Hello, everybody. I got medicine. Hello and welcome. To all y'all. To the Po Boys podcast. I got remedy. I'm your host, that motherfucker, Jody B. And I got a new episode for you. Now, this one apparently, uh, it got my nerves up a little bit. And uh, I'm pretty excited. It turned out really well. I had uh, Rachel Miller. She's a sex therapist. She's a family therapist. Um, she also, I believe, has some some experience into different types of uh, abuse, domestic abuse, stuff like that. She works with the LGBT community. Uh, she's she's out there doing good work. And uh, October is Domestic Abuse Awareness Month. So I thought it would be cool to have her come on. You know, me being me, an expert in uh, <laughs> in violence myself, uh, I thought it would be really cool to get a moment to sit down and chat with her. And she's she's a really awesome, awesome person. And I'm happy that I got to sit down and chat. So thanks again, Rachel, uh, for taking your time. But you guys, this one kind of goes all over the place. I don't think we get too political, really. Um, I'm not a very political person. Up until this year, I haven't been able to vote. So <laughs> I really don't care about your stances. It's just my observations, her observations as a professional. So understand this is just two people having a conversation about some shit. And, you know, I think that she's doing a good thing, trying to make sure that people at least are... Uh, able to understand why they should try to do a little better with their fucking their efforts so i'm not gonna sit here and talk your head off man we had a great time so i'm gonna go ahead and jump into it but you guys uh buckle up because <laughs> this one's gonna get real and thanks again to uh randall and brooke thanks for sharing guys <laughs> appreciate you fuckers Head now Known as a night 
daddy left the proof on her cheek I was only eight years old that summer And I always seemed to be in the way So I took myself down to the fair in town On Independence Day I made it through. Yay. <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome. Today, we have a very special guest from the, the Married as Fuck podcast. Uh, very good friends of the show. The resident advisor, uh, sex therapist, and all-around sane person to, to hang around and, and keep Brooke and Randall on the straight and narrow, uh, Rachel Miller. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm actually... I'm a little excited. I'm sitting here and I'm trying not to stumble over my words right now. I, I think it'll it be good. We went uh, we went early today, which is yeah. fine with me. You'd be surprised how many people don't like doing shit early in the morning. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm one of those people. The nice thing about being a therapist is most of our hours are later in the day. I'm not one of those therapists who sees people like before they go to work. You come see me after. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you're up around like Chicago, and I have to right. imagine that as cold as it gets up there it seems like you would be best suited to try to get out when the sun is out yeah isn't that part of it or do you just it's whatever it's just cold well it doesn't matter because (laughs) at the end of the day when you go up by the lake it's just cold it gets like pretty soon will be dark by like five o'clock so i will leave in the morning when it's dark outside for school and then i will get done with class go to work and it will be dark when i get home (laughs) It's it's next level cold, and I don't usually get into weather talk, but I think it it, it needs to be spoken of. Apparently, the Windy City is quite yeah. chilly in the wintertime when it gets cold as fuck outside. <laughs> well, and yeah, and it's like, it's one of those things where there are places that get colder than Chicago, clearly. It's that wind coming off the lake and then the snow that we get off the lake and all of that combined, combined oh, just, yeah. it just makes it ugly. You'd think we'd all get used to it, yet we all complain about it like it's a new thing. <laughs> it's almost like a punishment. I'm sure there are places where they're like, fuck it, <laughs> just put them in the freezer. They'll they'll figure it out. And that's, yeah. you guys are just living there, fucking <laughs> having brunch and stuff. That's crazy. <laughs> When we get like all four seasons in a day, sometimes it feels like so. See, I've heard that. Um, I, I had some folks 
from over off the West Coast. I've had people that always, when they come here, they're a little befuddled because we actually get four seasons here. It's Some of them are very short. Like, uh, our fall has been quite uh, petite <laughs> this <laughs> this go-around. It was just hot up until about two weeks ago. And uh, we've just recently started hitting, like, low temperatures. So it's it's very judgy here, too. But uh, it definitely doesn't stay one way too long. That's the good no, part. I went and walked the dog this morning, and I was like, I'm so not ready. <laughs> no. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna deviate a little from our riveting weather talk. Uh, right. It's so exciting. Rachel, do me a favor, because yes. I've, I've heard you kind of run through this also, Brooke and Randall. What exactly are your credentials currently? What are you working on? Where are you at with your, your profession? With my stuff, with my profession. So I am a marriage and family therapist. Um, so you'll see MFT behind the, those of us who are in that profession. Um, I'm working towards my licensure as we speak. So that always takes like years because I, gra- I graduated with my master's two years ago um, and we are a master's level practicing clinician. So I can practice at a master's level, but I my children will tell you I'm an overachiever. So I decided I need to go for a PhD. Um, so I'm in the middle of my second year of that, finishing up my classes. I have a dissertation to do, an internship to do. Um, so my hope is to be completed with that by 2021. I mean, if you're going to do it, be undeniable, right? <laughs> well, the thing, yeah, like I, I told my husband when I started this, I was like, okay, if I do this, you realize I'm not stopping till I have all the letters I want behind my name. And oh. he's like, that's fine. Go do what you got to do. I keep adding to the letters behind my name. <laughs> I bet you're a lot of fun to play fucking Monopoly with, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't play Monopoly. I bet. I hate that game. Okay, well, good. <laughs> you should never, ever play because you seem right. like you'd be like, I want all the pieces. <laughs> no, fuck you. Maybe Give that's why room. I don't like it because right. it's not as easy to get all the pieces as I would like it to be. <laughs> Give me all the money. Yeah. That's how my wife plays. She's a fucking monster. And it's you can see it in some people. Some people are made for business. <laughs> yes. It comes some through in are little not. ways. No, it comes through in little ways like that. I'm more of a hey man, let me uh let me get this for you know, this deal and she's like Nope. <laughs> Just stone cold. I'm like, fuck, man. I thought we were playing a game. She's like, well, you're playing. I'm not fucking playing. <laughs> well, like, I don't I don't play games a lot. Like, people think I must be super competitive. But the only, the only competitiveness I seem to really have is against myself. So it's always like, so I play things on my phone against myself. I don't like to play with other people. Um, so you're a, a high score beater, like of your you yeah. Like I, I would much rather do that. Like I'll play games with people. Like the family, the big family game is we love. Um, well, when the kids were smaller, it was apples to apples. Now it's cards against humanity. Yeah, um, we have that you too. Know. That's a fun game. That's a good time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't believe that some people like, still haven't heard of that game, Rachel. Uh, cards, who has not heard about Cards Against Humanity? Like it's I've, it's the how do we even put that? It's the rated R version of Apples to Apples. apples. To apples? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. I've been a dirt ball most of my life. I really have. I've just, I've been around low class people. And so I've kind of been exposed to a lot of things. That fucking game gives me so much joy, Rachel. You don't even understand. It's so much fun. If I can tell you here now, how many times I've had to explain to my mother-in-law what a, <gasps> What a queef is. <laughs> Pixelated bukkake. <laughs> Shit like this. And she always fucking sits next to me. 
<laughs> and she's like, hey, hey, what is this again? And I go, oh, man. Not again. Like, do I have <laughs> to I do just it lean again? Over. I've got it down to a science now. She just taps me, and I just go pussy fart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, in our family, we're we're so open. Like, I, you know, since I sold sex toys for years and did like adult sex education kind of you know seminars and workshops and stuff, in our house, the story is we sort of talk about sex around here like other families talk about what's for dinner. Right. And so, it it's just really casual conversation. Um, and my seventeen year old isn't, you know, when she was younger, was not always on board with this concept. Her older brother is was always on board with that kind of right. stuff. And so he sort of brought Cards Against Humanity around when she was still pretty young. Like she was a teenager, but she was, you know, 13. Like, And so we'd let her play and almost made it funnier when she didn't know what something was. Oh, yeah. That's or the best part. Or when she'd play something that was so spot on and she didn't even realize it. Like, <laughs> isn't there one that's, isn't there a card that's like, big black cocks or something like that's that. That's what I was going to say. There's like three or four like super cards in the deck and one of them yes. is a big black dick. The other one is two midgets shitting in a bucket. There's there's a <laughs> few in there that it just do, it doesn't matter. One is butt sex. Butt sex yeah. is another one. It's it's very yeah. funny to me how many there's just game stoppers where you're like, okay, I'm going to get this point. Watch. Like, Bam. They're just so funny. <laughs> and, you know, when she didn't always, like, when she played that card so well like the first time we just died we just lost our shit because it was so freaking funny but the thing about the game is like you have to have your line for that stuff your line for acceptance around those things has to be pretty far back (laughs) it's a great way to to fill out your audience if you're somewhere and you're not sure where everybody stands play cards against humanity that'll that'll let you know where everybody stands uh on their their politics their jokes (laughs) you'll know where everyone's lines are you'll know how not to cross them in the future but you'll probably cross them in the game (laughs) now i have to ask because of your profession i i don't know if you ever fuck with people just because you know how to um (laughs) cards against humanity is one of my favorite things not because i play for points but because i try to make people say the most horrendous shit because you have to read the cards out loud right when somebody yeah. hands in the answers, you have to flip them over and go, you know, uh, Obama's pubic hair, <laughs> something, two midget <laughs> shit in a bucket. And they have to read all those things and, and decide which one the answer should be. And I'll just throw a card out just to make somebody say fucked up shit. It doesn't even have to have anything to do with if it's like the old next door neighbor lady. <laughs> and I'll just nice. Like, mm. And I'll just put something out there and let her say some crazy shit (laughs) as everybody at the table going holy shit Peggy what the fuck see and I think in our family and this sort of happens with Cards Against Humanity too like it and Apples to Apples where we have so many sort of inside jokes in the family that I almost feel bad for people who aren't part of like that inside group who come play with us on the regular because we all do things and we win points like between the four of us because we know how to play the other person right. in a way that other people don't and you know we know the inside the jokes and we know and the shit like funny that. shit. Yeah. yeah. It's it's wonderful game. I love it. I really it's, do. <laughs> it's so much fun. It really does help you. I mean, it's hilarious. You spend lots of time laughing. It's not like you're playing Scrabble and people are just like super serious and paying attention to what they're doing. It's so much fun. You learn so much about other people, <laughs> where people's, you know, stuff really is and you learn who has like the sickest mind on the planet like <laughs> yes 
Yes. So there you go. It's it's ther- therapist approved. Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> go out and get yourself a game <laughs> and play it with your family. Bring your mother, your brother, your cousins, your grandma. Hours and hours of fun. I love it. <laughs> Just be age appropriate. And if you've got younger ones, go with apples to apples. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you can the- make that pretty fun, too. It's a good it's a good premise and I I like knowing where people stand. And that's mm-hmm. I'm kind of fascinated by you in a sense because I I've, I'm not saying that I would ever think of being like a a person who deals with psychology and stuff like that. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people do. I think uh there are a lot of minors in different levels of psychology just cuz people go, "Well, I'll just go do that." Well, and but, I think people are fascinated with um so there's sort of this saying in the in the mental health field in general and psychology in, broadly that a lot of people go into the into the practice to attempt to heal their own stuff yes and to figure out like their own family and their own wounds and their own like how they tick mm-hmm. um, and some people stop there right like they do they just they major in psychology and they figure out all the stuff about themselves that they really wanted to know um, because the human psyche is pretty fascinating in general and i think most people want to understand themselves and each other why am i so fucking nuts (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with my family (laughs) Uh, i assume that it it, maybe there was something to that with you and i didn't want to ask you that like so you can ask me that as far as your profession I know that obviously, you know, later in life with some of your experiences with with your ex and stuff like that, you've dealt with, Mm -hmm. you know, some pretty horrendous shit. And so I'm curious, like, was there any of that at a young age, which maybe drove you into your field? Or was it more, you know, as you you were just fascinated with with psychology and stuff like that? And that's the the lane you chose. So. I mean, without getting too deep, yes, obviously, no. I'm not trying to, you know, no, <laughs> I'm just curious, fine. like, what I'm would make to you figure out where to come in on the story. So yeah. when I started this, like, I didn't start my bachelor's degree till I was 36. Okay. Um, I left my marriage, but I was, I was living with my current husband at the time. And so conversation <laughs> was, yeah, the conversation was, um, around because I'd been I'd been doing, you know, sex toy parties and adult sex education and what I discovered through all of that was a real lack of true sex therapists. Absolutely. Like people who had had an ability to talk about sex in an educated way, who were comfortable with things outside of the norm, people who were comfortable with the LGBTQ community, people who were comfortable with the kink community, the poly community. There was you know, there was a lacking of that you know, 10 years ago. And so I sort of was like, if I really want to take what I'm doing to the next level, that's helpful. Um, then I want to pursue the possibility of, of doing sex therapy. Like that was the initial drive to go to school was I saw a need that needed to be filled. And I knew I had the background that could, could really be beneficial in that field. Um, and then in that process, during my divorce, um, you know, and I, I left an abusive relationship and, um, things really got ugly in the court systems. Um, and, and that was sort of the method used to continue, you know, to maintain some level of power and control over me and, and the kids. And so in that phase, we had a couple of therapists, we had lots of lawyers, judges who did not understand that that's what was happening. Right. 
Um, and then there was some, there were some therapists who really didn't do well by my children, um, who said to me, who were sure that they could handle, you know, I was very specific. I said, can you handle a domestic violence situation? You know, my ex-husband may cause problems. I need to know that you can deal with that. I really think the kids need to be in therapy to, to help them through this process and this change. And they're like, sure, we've got it. We've got it. We've got it. They didn't have it. No. You know, my ex-husband would show up in their office unannounced without an appointment and sit in their waiting room and harass their staff until um, one of the therapists would come out and deal with him. Uh, um, he demanded things that he couldn't have. Like, I want all the copies of, of the, you know, of the therapy notes. And, you know, legally, the therapists have like 30 days to produce that. And then they're required to, you know, deduct anything that I might have said that could potentially be hard, like bring harm to me or the kids because they knew the situation. Mm -hmm. And, and then when he would pick it up, he wouldn't pay for it. Eventually the therapist just said, you know, we're sorry. We don't really think there's anything we can do to help your kids. Um, so, you know, we're going to sort of just not see you anymore. They never even finished billing me, which tells me that they knew that this was they not really something yeah. they should be doing. <laughs> Complete fucking fumble. <laughs> Right. So I, at that point, was already in school, but I was starting to shift where my focus was going. And so my bachelor's degree is just, I just have a, you know, a BS in, in psych, general psychology. But then when I started to search the field, I really wanted to work in, in marriage and family because it's a relational field and it deals a lot with that relational aspect of things. And, and I, I wanted to be able to work with families like mine you know, who's, who's, you know, survivor and kids who, mm -hmm. who still have to have contact with, you know, I had to see him on the regular. I had to be in court with him. I was forced to be in positions that weren't helpful for me or the kids around that stuff. And the kids were in therapy, but even the therapist didn't know how to handle that. So part of me going to school in general was to be able to work with that population. But then once I, you know, once I really started to get down to the research, there's not a lot of research around that population to no. know how best to handle that. So then it's like that became the dissertation topic. I don't think I'll ever give up the idea of of being a at least a I mean, sex therapy is the thing that is really, really needed. And I acknowledge that. And I will always probably delve in that realm, whether or not I pursue certification might might change. I might do that eventually. Um, but that I, I would never want to leave that community of, of people who need that kind of help high and dry. I'm always available for that. And I don't want to sort of pigeonhole myself into a, I only work with this population kind right. of thing. Yeah, no, so that's not good. Right. It, it seems to me like it's a good idea because obviously, uh, not everybody has schizophrenia, but most right. people have sex. <laughs> so that's, that's just <laughs> yeah. basic logic there which one's going to attract more business shit has gotten so much broader over the last 20 years even and you think about how where where that community sat even uh you know 30 40 years ago my mom's a uh, gay by the way oh okay yeah so it's funny to me now to see how much things have evolved i love my mother i really do she she's one of my favorite people but she grew up in this society that that really wasn't okay <laughs> with yeah. with her being with women here she is now she's 50 and she's only lived in these conservative fucking podunk now she lives in st louis now so that's okay. a, li a little better but at the right. same time she's just she's she works at a place that 
You know, it, my mom is not hiding anything. <laughs> if, you, if you've seen her, yeah, you know exactly what the deal is. Either that or maybe she likes to fish and drives a truck. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. It's It's gotten me very upset at times because I see all these people around the world who are, are happy and healthy and just having the fucking time of their lives. And here's my mom, you know, still gets weird when she meets, like, my wife's family who, you know, we've she has some gay folks on her side of the family, too. But it's just she's so used to that, just kind of people being weird that it's like she just shut herself off to it for a long time and it kills me i want her to go someplace like california like you know san francisco (laughs) i I think it would blow her fucking mind to see something like that one time so hard particularly in small rural religious communities that can be even more challenging nobody should have to live that way you should be allowed to love who you want and i i will never understand the what that thing is that makes people yeah Yeah. (laughs) people that just want to make it their business but don't have an answer to dealing with their own shit they just want to make other people do how about you just mind your fucking business (laughs) i don't know it's it's frustrating and most of my friends have walked the line they don't say anything and i'll tell you to your face look think what you want i guess i'm not going to get into a fist fight with you over every gay person in the world as long as i'm not standing in your vicinity and you call my mom a dyke We'll be fine, <laughs> but understand that's the line. Don't cross it. <laughs> yeah, don't you be cross fucking it. polite. There's no reason to be mean to these these people. They're just people. <laughs> Chill yeah. the fuck out. It's interesting to me how people tend to really hold their ground in in areas like that where they've decided that people are different. Yeah, and they put them over there, and they're others. And then all of a sudden, when they figure out that oh wait. There's there's someone like that in my family. Mm-hmm. There's a friend of mine that I didn't know who was gay. There's a friend of mine I didn't, you know, and, and all of a sudden it impacts their world. Then sometimes you can get people to shift, but it's really sad that that's what it takes. That right. it takes firsthand experience. Personally, yeah, yeah you've got to be literally impacted. uncomfortably close in your opinion. Yes. If you've got like an issue, whether it's like you don't like gay people or you don't understand it or it's against the the fucking Bible, whatever right. your thing is. It puts it right next to you. <laughs> and then you got to go, well, shit. <laughs> right now, what am I supposed to do? Like, because I've been I've been spewing crap and I've been hateful and I've been unkind and I really drew my line in the sand. And now I got to look at the person whom I claimed for years to love and appreciate and is part of my, you know, my inner circle. And now I've put them on the other side of that line I drew in the sand. Right. Like, oh, wait, what do I do now? And it would be so helpful if people would really shift, like get rid of the line in the sand before it impacts you, but people don't. Like I think it's just human nature to be like, to categorize people, to place people in in general categories and them and us and not me and and you know my people like we just do that naturally but sometimes that's so detrimental i think it's a big problem with what's going on in society today rachel oh absolutely Um, you know i'm i'm not going to speak on things that i'm not well educated in i don't watch the news i get all my news from twitter (laughs) oh well it's actually not a terrible place to get your news it's not because i definitely read both sides and i'm very up to date with at least your comments thus far on this whole kavanaugh case thing and Uh. men against women and it's is it not interesting 
from your perspective, being a person who deals with psychology or, or at least knows how it works, mm-hmm. does it not seem like at some point they're just trying to make us fucking fight with each other? Oh, absolutely. Every time it's it's. Well, okay. So <laughs> some of this is less about psychology, and some of this is more about economics. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. But it's also systemic in nature. Like, let's look at how the system's been set up. Like, so I listened to your your episode with Joe Moffat. Yes. The other day, and so, and what, and I agree with a lot of what was what was said in my, but. For me, I'm like, you got to pull that lens further out even because the system is set up and in such a way that it is imperialist. If you think about all the ways in which we, you know, white people particularly colonialized the world and took over. So it's imperialist. It is white supremacist. It is capitalist patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So that label right there that makes people super uncomfortable but if if we really identify the political system and the economic system within which we live that is how you know who has power and whom our behaviors serve yes it's it there's just no way around it at one point like the the very very wealthy white people convinced poor white people that it was more important to be white and to side with the white people than it was to sit with you know to sit with poor people because and that's, collectively that's where you gain power. Yeah. <laughs> You'd rather give your time and service to somebody else. That yeah. I, I've never really sat down and thought about uh, not slavery, but just the whole thing. And if you listen to that conversation, you heard there were a couple of breakthroughs for me there. Mm-hmm. It's like holy fucking shit! Like, yeah, yeah that's exactly what happened. You have been hoodwinked and bamboozled. <laughs> yes. Well, so this idea of, and this is just sort of a side favorite of mine. I go to a school that really focuses on social justice, and mm-hmm. and someone who you know, as someone who really looks at, uh, you know, I'm I'm a feminist therapist. You, it's hard to miss if you spend any time with me. I am always looking for the power. Um, the power dynamics and the way gender plays a role in in the issues that I see in my office because they they play a role. And so I do a lot of, you know, research and studying around things like gender and race. And when you start to dissect these things, the ways in which people have been recruited and rewarded to uphold that system mm-hmm. of, you know, imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy We've all been duped to support it. This is why some of us, you know, vote against our own pocketbook. This is why, you know, some of us tend to side with things that are not in our own best interest because we've been recruited yeah. to keep the system as a, as the status quo. Like, that's what it wants to do. It wants to keep things the way that we know them. Um, and some of that requires division, right? You can't have the white poor people and the people of color in poverty joining together to to throw over you know the 
the 1%. It, it can't happen. So how do you divide those people? You divide them by political party. You divide them by race. You divide them by spirituality. You divide them by gender, sexuality, uh, gender. You, yeah, you divide the line, them by man. all the things. <laughs> My right. wife said something the other day that made a lot of sense to me, and it's, I hope that you don't take this the wrong way, <laughs> but we were talking about feminism, and, and unfortunately, that and this is my wife's opinion, but I've, I mm-hmm. think I could support it. In most cases, when a lot of women get together and they try to fucking organize and do something, something happens. I don't know if it's catty shit, I don't know what the deal is, but for some reason it just doesn't, it falls apart. And she yeah. said... You know, you mentioned with Miles and Crawford about how you you keep drawing those lines in the sand. White, black, Hispanic, man, woman, gay. She said, if we could just get on board enough to get black women on our side, she said, we we would take over the fucking world. She said, we're so busy trying to cut each other down in situations that we don't even realize that we have strong-willed, smart, important people in this world that if they were on our fucking team, (laughs) they would go for blood. Well, it's interesting because I don't disagree with her. Like I've been using the hashtag a lot. You'll see it. And I've, I've used it on Facebook and on Twitter. Listen to black women because part of why black women have a better sense of the system and society is because they have this layered oppression, right? Like they have racial oppression both and they sides. have gender oppression. <laughs> both both oh. all the way down. <laughs> right. And so white women in some ways really co-opted feminism and made it about like, well, we don't want to lose our white power, but we want to gain the economic power that men have. And that left women of color and poor women off to the side. Feminism to this point has really only worked well for white middle and upper class women. Right. Um, original feminism was not that way. So um, a book I mentioned on Miles and Crawford was feminism is for everybody. Like if I could hand out a book to everyone to read, to grasp the understanding of the way the system has recruited and rewarded and helps like creates this thing where we police each other to keep things as they are. Mm -hmm. Like women are some of the most destructive tools of the patriarchy out there. White women are dangerous. We raise our sons to continue the system. We police other women so that everything remains the same. Like we're a huge piece of the problem. Yes, men are also part of the problem, but the fact that we police other women and we raise our sons to continue this sort of mentality. Yes. We're a huge piece of the problem. And if white women could learn to shut up and follow women of color, we'd see some serious change because women of color get it in a way <clears throat> that white women never will. To, to sit there and think of how much could be could be changed <laughs> if you right? just take a minute just take a minute and take this look just look at it it's right there man like if you guys could just focus <laughs> and stop being and, so damn mean <laughs> and white women white women particularly like if we talk about you know and i not to like run off the political bandwagon but a huge piece of what happened with why white liberals were stunned when trump won yeah. Not a single person of color I know was surprised. They were like, where have you been? How did you not know this was going to happen? How did you not <clears throat> understand the way the system works that white women were ultimately going to side with white men, not with women? And like, I had to have a serious wake up call. Like, I've been doing a lot of work around race and gender for years, but I really had to dig in after that stuff because I'm like, 
clearly I am missing pieces yeah, of this, and working. that is not cool. <laughs> With the whole Kavanaugh case, one mm-hmm. thing that I have taken away from it, I don't like the guy. I'll be honest with you. I uh, Just on appearance, I'm not a political person. I don't watch okay. anything else. I'm going purely off of 31 years of, of street and, and gut instinct. Mm-hmm. The guy doesn't look favorable to me. This is not knowing anything about what yeah. he did officially. Just looking at him, he looks like a privileged white dude who probably hasn't dealt with a lot of shit in his life, who is now going to make decisions for the country. Everybody seemed to be okay with that. Now, I don't know if that's because in some other shit he did what they wanted him to, and so he's like, oh, he's a good judge and all this stuff. But yeah, with the whole but when the, the like whole, when the American Bar Association is is asking questions and right. has concerns about his his fitness for the for the bench right like that's that's concerning and and for me when i watched well i didn't watch i listened to pieces of it (sighs) the inability to take any sort of accountability for what had happened like here's the thing you said what had happened (laughs) yeah see what had happened was (laughs) and like if there had just been this it's the bubble right it's the it's the white privilege bubble it's the i don't i don't make mistakes i just make or what is it we don't make mistakes we make happy accidents baby like it's you sit there and you act like you're infallible it's like bro we've all made mistakes right so part of the reason white people have such a hard time having conversations about race is because people are uncomfortable sitting with with anything that makes them feel accountable that's that's an issue (laughs) own it no and and here's the thing like i i joke with my husband and my son all the time and i'm like oh men white men like could you just like own your shit already hey 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 you forgot a word it's rich (laughs) It's rich white men. (laughs) Those are the ones you got to watch out for. I'm a I'm I'm a little grimy, but I'm a nice guy. (laughs) But but so there's there's that piece, right? Like you're you're not alone with that. I hear that all the time, Rachel. Not all men. I'm not even saying I'm not all men. Just rich is another thing. I've learned that in in my life. Rich adds another layer of not having to be accountable right mm-hmm. because you can buy yourself a good lawyer yeah. to get out of things you can buy yourself speeding tickets and grades and yes. whatever, whatever. Right. All time, those things. that one time you felt that chick up and and she went to call the cops and they called your mom and your mom goes Ooh. all right hey i'm gonna be down there this afternoon right which like, happens i, I guess you don't you have to pay consequences <laughs> because you can buy your way out of things. We joke like we don't have a debtor's prison. We absolutely have a have a debtor's prison system because half the people in prison are only there because they couldn't either afford a good lawyer mm-hmm. or they couldn't afford the fees, they couldn't afford the bail. Like like don't pretend the world isn't set up for people who have money. It is. And I'm not asking everybody who has money to sit around and feel guilty about it. Just like I'm not asking people who have white privilege or male privilege to to feel guilty about it. What I'm asking you to do is to understand how the system works, right. understand the role that you play, and then I'm going to ask you to spend that privilege in a way that starts to dismantle that system. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to wallow in your guilt of, oh, I'm a terrible person, or, oh, all men are awful, or, oh, all being rich is a horrible No. I'm asking you to understand that the system is set up to privilege you and you have an obligation to spend that privilege in a way that helps 
create a better, more just system. Like that's what I'm asking you. I'm not like pointing my finger at you, but I like when I have conversations with men, like, you know, my husband and my son are sort of like, they're used to it. They know what it is. (laughs) But and they're like, yeah, we hear you, we get you. No, I but got you, also, mom. <laughs> yeah, like it's it, you know, it's hard to live with someone who I would imagine I have never asked them this, I, who is always like, oh, well, there's a gender dynamic playing a role, and now there's a racial dynamic, and there, like, here's the inter, you know, Kimberly Crenshaw um, de- sort of developed the term intersectionality and the ways in which privilege and oppression sort of intersect to create everyone's different experiences. And we have, we have lots of them, right? Like, so we have race and class and ethnicity. Jobs, cars. I mean, it's, it's everything. You know, education privilege. We have ability. So like the other piece we never talk about is able-bodied people and the privileges that able-bodied people have, right? We privilege age. Like we actually privilege a weird section of age. We middle age, right? Like, 35 to 60 is sort of the privileged age group. If you're younger than that, you don't know anything. And if you're older than that, we don't have any use for you. And we sort of shove you off to the side in this society. So there's a prime, definitely. Right. There's absolutely like if you're in the prime, like you are privileged in the prime of your life. But people don't talk about the ways in which all those things overlap and create different experiences for the world. So this is why for black women and then and then if you add poor black women, right? Like all of that stuff intersects in a way that creates really different experiences. And I would venture to say that someone who really knows the system, right? Right. Who can tell us how, how those things impact people would be a, would be a poor disabled woman of color who is maybe younger or older than prime age. Um, and maybe is not of the Christian faith because that's, you know, religion isn't, you know, spirituality and religion is another piece that we, we prefer, we claim uh, not to be beat a, me to a, it, Rachel. <laughs> about religion, right? We claim not to be about religion, but the reality is, is we privilege Christianity in this country. Rachel Miller, you just hit, <laughs> you just hit my spark. And, uh, Did. here's the thing, look, and this was not pre-planned. I just, I was kind of guiding and we're going to try to get there. So okay. let's talk about patriarchy, shall we? <laughs> I've been doing a lot of thinking, listening to okay. you speak with these other people, and okay. tried to find the common denominator. Mm-hmm. Why do we do the things we do? Why is marriage between a man and a woman? Why is the man in charge? Why does he get <laughs> to run things? Why does this? And I, I, I think about it, and I go, I'm thrilled that you think about it. I wish more people would think about it. It's religion. It's all religion. If you, if from what I'm seeing now, a lot of the faiths are based with these rules, especially here from being here in the Bible Belt. I don't have to read the fucking book. I hear enough about it when people tell me how other people suck. (laughs) Yes. So there are all these rules from this this book that was written a long, long time ago. Okay. We have adjusted and adapted in a lot of different ways here with our westernized culture and our our Jesus and Christmas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you look over to the Middle East, when you're dealing with Islam and the Quran and shit like that, you look at that society and it's the same thing that we used to be. It's a male-driven, 
you know, uh, everything is family-based. <laughs> the women have to cover themselves completely. They get no say-so. They don't get to vote. They don't get to drive. That's where we could have still be <laughs> if there wasn't people like you and other ladies along the way who decided to take a shot at it. And also with the the religion reforms, the the the, the second uh, testament, the New Testament, shit like mm-hmm. that, when we get... The uh, I'm trying to think of what the fucking word is. The the Enlightenment period. There you go. Where mm-hmm. people take the next step. Islam never got that. There isn't a it's, New Testament, <laughs> which well, is and, why and they I still would, do shit the and way I they would do it. Are you one piece of that? And that is that there are very the ways in which Christianity presents itself in very different forms. Right? Like we have you know the Westboro Baptist Church. Um, we have the Catholic Church. We have you know different versions of Christianity. Some being more Pentecostal. And, There's another one. Or not Pentecostal Mormons people. You yeah, get the like, polygamists and shit like that. Like it's right. all male-driven stuff. When it's you think about it, absolutely male-driven. And I would I would put out there that not everyone practices Islam the way that you. Maybe not. Excuse me. Please don't come to my house, guys. I just I'm, I'm ignorant <laughs> and I'm uneducated and I'm just making huge leaps. I don't know shit about Islamic faith, but I do know what I see uh, as far as their gender economics go. <laughs> gender yes. their stuff. There's definitely still you know there's still some things around that, and and I have people who who that I know who practice it maybe more. We'll call it more modern version of Islam, and right. I personally not the fundamentalist. Not, that's the old school version, and that's I'm right. saying that is it's there that though. Fundamentalist thing, right? Like we see fundamentalist Christians too, right? Who still tell women they have to wear skirts and wear their hair long and have to, you know. It's Pentecostals. I've been to a Pentecostal. Rachel, I was at this wedding, and and I was in the bathroom, combing my hair, right. There's a storage closet, and this this young lady knocked on the door, and I said, you know, hello, and it was her. She needed to get something out of the closet. I'm just combing my hair. No big deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, go grab whatever you need. Fine. And I'm doing my thing. So she's coming out, and as she comes out, the younger brother of the bride, who's maybe 14 years old, (laughs) starts grilling and questioning this obviously 20 to 30-year-old woman about what she's doing you know and it just i was like holy shit (laughs) you know because i'm sitting here listening to this dude take this woman to task and i'm thinking who the fuck is this guy like what's going on here and later on i find out like that faith is very male dominated like it's absolutely they they make a lot of decisions and that whole thing is organized and let me tell you something they don't have the biggest fucking churches for nothing (laughs) I mean, those people know how to organize and they know how to make money and they're set up in the exact same system that we've had here for years around uh-huh. marry a woman, have kids, nuclear family, you know, so it's right. Yeah. The system is set up in such a way that it perpetuates itself and it, it works really hard to maintain the status quo and the people in the system don't even understand how the system works. Well, that's not true. Some people understand it. But a lot of people who are in it don't get it, right? Like, we also live in a very dominator culture, right? Like, the idea that... It's always been kings and peasants, too, man. Right, exactly. Someone's supposed to be on top, and someone is supposed... It's power over. Right. It is always about who Somebody's steering the fucking boat, and somebody's rowing it. (laughs) That's how we get places. (laughs) Yes. and And if you look at it, like, top down, right, like... So we have government and then we have, 
you know, the, the systems that sort of flow down from that. In some places, the only place men have power is in the home. And so they need to wield it because they feel pretty powerless everywhere else. Right? Yeah. So and it's funny because that happens even with rich men. It's not like domestic violence is something that happens only in poor communities or only in religious communities. It happens everywhere. Oh, yeah. It even happens in the LGBTQ community because we like we live in a society that teaches us we are supposed to have power over. It happens with children, right? Like what we also don't talk about is the ways in which adults can like are really focused on maintaining power over children. The way we talk to them. You call the it way discipline. We make I call for, it ugh, beating children yes. is what I call it, but that's fine. <laughs> right. Right. So that's like that's a whole not like that's a piece of the problem, right? Like it's yeah. always about who do I have power over? Rather than understanding that you can actually have power with and that we would have power with like if white women would figure their shit out and figure out that they could they would actually have more power if they would have power with women of color. Right. Like how much change could we could we actually create? You know, if if we raised men to learn to have power with women versus power over women or versus, uh, you know or white men have need to have some semblance of superiority like I feel better than. It's, it's like that's a huge component it's of the so issue. So deep right now, and to be honest with you, okay. So just <laughs> prime example, it's you just—it's super early in the morning for this kind of deep. No, I'm ready to go. Um, so okay. we just had a conversation the other day. It, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, by the way. That's the whole yeah. reason you're here today with me. Um, I know that you are a survivor, as you like mm-hmm. to say, and yep. I, I would like to commend you on that. I think there's two ways to look at any kind of abuse. You mm-hmm. can be a victim or you can be a survivor it's two very different kinds of people um i can tell from your attitude from your motivation the way that it's it's changed you mm-hmm. you are a survivor you're not a victim you're not a person who's going to sit back and expect you know the world to kind of bend around them you're going to take your situation you're going to take your fucking medicine and you're <laughs> going to you're going to get right back to work and go all right I, I just how much more I can take. Fuck you. Yes, and some of that is personality. But here's here's what I'll tell you about that, because I think what happens in so often we, as a society, we talk about like that victim mentality, and I hear that, and and I acknowledge that sometimes that's a place where people sit because they feel like they. They've, it's that learned helplessness, right? Like every time they've tried to have some power and control in their own life and every time they've tried to, to stand on their own, things have sort of knocked them around and they feel like life happens to them versus that ability to have self-efficacy to go have, have influence on your own life. But in order for me to even get to this place, what had to happen was that I had to first acknowledge that I had been a victim. Right. Like that was not easy for me. Um, one of the pieces I shared on it's an old piece, but, and it's one of the earlier pieces that I wrote, um, about my experience was that I had to figure out how to be okay with the fact that I'd been a victim because I had this image in my head of what I thought that meant. Yeah. And I was not that person. Like I'm not that person. See, I didn't meet all these criteria for the things that happen to women who are supposedly in abusive relationships. Like, see, I don't meet those criteria. I'm not that person. I'm not a victim. 
look at all the ways in which I contributed to, you know, to what happened to me. And like, I was more than willing to take more than half the responsibility, right? Like I, I just, because I'd been conditioned to do that. Like being a victim meant being weak. I am not a weak person, but what I had to do was really examine my own beliefs around what it meant to be a victim and acknowledge that what had happened to me was I had been victimized in that situation. It did not mean I had to sit there and I had to stay there, but I had to acknowledge its existence so that I could and would go get the help I needed to move forward in a way that was healthy. So I have this really mixed feeling about, about this, like, well, you know, victim is a terrible word and we shouldn't call people victims and we, you know, Uh, we shouldn't let people sit in that mental headspace. I think it's two different states of mind and it's not, you can change it maybe if you put in the work or you're determined enough, but I feel like it is definitely two different people and I can show examples if you go online, you know, now people have a voice. It's not hard to fish them out. Yeah. (laughs) You just look through and you'll find somebody that go, Okay. Well, yeah, you obviously had a hard dose of life, and that right. sucks. <laughs> I, I hate and, that all that shit happened to you, man. <laughs> and there's and there's psychological research that that talks about that idea of learned helplessness, right? Like the the original studies were done on on dogs, and they they would get shocked through the floor. Um, and what they learned is that it didn't matter what they did; they were still going to get shocked. Mm-hmm. And then even once the cages were opened and the dogs could get out, they had given up so much. Yeah. Like they had they had learned that there was nothing they could do to save themselves from pain, that they stayed there even once the doors were open. Well, if that isn't a really great analogy for what tends to happen very often in domestic violence situations and in lots of other places where people don't feel like they have any power to to save themselves or to have a different kind of life that helplessness is learned and it can be unlearned, but you have to, you have to recognize that that's what's happening to you. And unless you have someone who can help you see that that's really hard. And that's why I'm always like, find a therapist. Like I mm-hmm. just find one because sometimes it's that outside perspective that can help you gain a new perspective on where you're sitting. It's weird now, like knowing the things that I know and having experienced the things that I've experienced. Um, I feel like I can look at a lot of situations. I can put myself in a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. And it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me to know that my story, though as chaotic as it is, isn't the worst story. <laughs> it's, uh. I'm not even special. You know what I'm saying? Like the same shit happened to hundreds of thousands of other kids around here whether it be growing up dirt fucking poor being at home by yourself all the time you know i, I was molested by a neighbor right. you know what i'm saying i was exposed to sex at right. a very early age i was like eight when all that started happening mm-hmm. it just <laughs> i have uncles and relatives that got real heavy into drugs I, i've avoided some of the really bad ones <laughs> and you know it's just it's really weird to have gone through all that, getting hit a lot as a kid, getting shot in the face when I was a teenager, getting arrested when I was 19. Like, it's, I have a lot of moments in my life that I can I can draw from and just try to keep my head That's straight. That's a lot of trauma. It's a lot. And yeah. I get almost like survivor's guilt now when I sit around and I think oh, about all the shit yeah. that's going on. And I'm like, man, there's some people doing some really fucked up shit to people in this world. 
And it's happening everywhere. Like you said before, it's it's somebody you know. That's the scary yeah. part. It's not just this this creepy fucking dude, you know, that that you'll see on TV one day for having uh raped and murdered some chick. It's your fucking Uncle Fred. <laughs> your yes. Uncle Fred likes to fuck kids. Or he likes to it's have inappropriate down the street. It's it's so close <laughs> that you don't even realize it. And if you would open your eyes and, and listen to your brain, a lot of times you would know. Yes. But, but that's really scary, right? Yeah. Like, let's be real about that. Having to acknowledge that these things aren't that far away, right? Like, these aren't things that happen to other people. These aren't these aren't complete strangers to you. Like, having to accept that reality feels really scared, and so it's much easier to ignore. And I don't I don't blame people for that, right? Like, I get that it's scary. It's scary that someone you know maybe um, a sexual predator. It's someone that you know who is who is abusive. It's someone you know who has committed rape. It is someone that you know who who does lots of terrible things. We really do this good job of being like, oh, but you know, overall they're you know, they're a good person and I don't know what they do in their private life, right? Yeah, he's a little quirky. Like, <laughs> right. He likes or to spit at the, people in the, the drive through window. I'm sure he's a great guy in his fucking off time. <laughs> like, it's just, it's hard to accept the fact that a very scary world. And no one wants to live terrified their whole life. And I don't think you should, but I also don't think you should be ignorant about the realities of what we live in and be aware. And that there's things we can do to have power in in our own lives and in our government and in our policing systems and in our judicial systems and how all those things work so intensely. And the, th- the thing that you said that I find really interesting is, is that survivor guilt thing around the, but somebody else had it worse. But it's not true. It's not like the oppression Olympics or the abuse Olympics. It's not, I mean, so for mine, for example, um, I had some of this for a while, right? Like I would meet with, with women who had, had, shot a gun in a pillow next to her head, right? And I'm like, I know that there was some terrorism happening in my marriage. Do I really fit in the category? Yes, Rachel, you do. And it's not a competition about whose story is worse. Everyone's trauma and everyone's story is valid. You're allowed to have pain around that and you're allowed to seek help and and support and healing from that. It's not about the level of what that which you experienced it. Yes, someone might have had it worse, but it doesn't invalidate yours. Right. Right. It's just, and it's crazy to think about the numbers. That's right. It's you, terrifying. To be honest with you, you know, when it comes to a lot of my situation, I just got comfortable talking about some of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just because at this point, I don't care. Like, I don't care what people think about me or the, the experiences that I've had. I saw a quote. I don't know whose it is, but it, it really it kind of changed my my outlook a little bit and it said don't judge me for the decisions i've made if you don't know the choices i was given and love that one mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to do until you're there right so you should never pass judgment on the, the choice that somebody makes you can you can be judgmental for like shitty parents and just kind of but you keep it to yourself shut your fucking mouth Unless, you know, you see something that's not legal and then you you should do something about that. But people deal with things their own way. Life is hard, man. <laughs> so you need to worry about yeah. you. 
And when you get you figured out, then you can try to help other people. But until you've got you, you really shouldn't be offering advice on anybody else's situation. And I think there's this piece around, um, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones kind of thing. But if we're talking about parents, right, and parenting, we've become a super judgy culture around, like, particularly moms. Moms are the hardest on each other. Women are horrible. Look, men don't have to police women to the patriarchal. Like, we police ourselves. We're so busy judging each other and and making comments to each other and all of that that men don't even have to comment on us because we keep ourselves in line. Like, how great is that system? It works all by itself. You don't have to do anything. You just sit there. We dealt with it when uh, our son was born with the whole breastfeeding thing. Um, Oh, God, right? We had some, some wet nurses or whatever the fuck you call them, ladies that were coming around that were just really shitty to my wife in the beginning because unfortunately she didn't produce the way that she was supposed to i guess supposed to air quotes right quote unquote yeah but and and when we finally decided you know maybe we'll just go ahead and do the healthy thing i would like you to know we bought some bougie highfalutin formula from germany we had it imported (laughs) we paid a lot of money for it and that little fucker i think we made an ivan drago kid (laughs) he's huge He's a giant, and and I'm concerned a little. But before all that happened, we were had to go to formula because she just wasn't producing. And the, all the websites, right. all the, the, the uh. consultations, all the shit, these women, these assholes would come in yes. there and basically shame my wife to the point that when we get done, she would just be like, I don't know what to do. Like, should I maybe... I should just pump, you know, for an hour. And it's like nothing's coming out of there, dude. You're going to suck your nipples off. What are you talking about? Like, Right. It's, like, it's, I truly believe that parents. It the, the first fucking week you have a child. People start judging you about that kind of shit. Oh, absolutely. They've got, hell, they start judging you before you even have well, that yeah, baby. They're you asking you questions about what you're going to do. Yeah, you're going to do an epidural. You're going to have a natural birth in a fucking pool right. at your house. Oh, my God. Right. That's right? so gross. <laughs> And I think like to your point about the quote, like I do believe that people are doing the best they can with where they are and what they know at the time, trying to heal from our own wounds and hopefully not damaging more people in our process. But if we don't know better, we can't do better. That's really challenging. And I don't pretend to like, yes. So there are moments where people have to step in because a parent's best is not safe or healthy (laughs) or good enough for their kid. Yes, I acknowledge that's a thing. And I'm also willing to acknowledge that that may be the best that parent can do at that time with where they are, the resources they have and what they know. I don't have any judgment around that. What I have is a whole lot of sadness about the fact that that's where they're at right now. You know, before we decided to have a kid and everything, I always heard people say, you know, give your kids all the things that you never had. I think a lot of people took that too literally with like things, items. I never met my father. My mother was kind of doing her own thing and struggling. She, my grandma took me from my mother after I was beaten as a child, like an infant. And, uh, okay. I was there for a long time and my grandma was just a really sick person. Even now, like trying to think about it, like she's, she's much older. She's close to death at this point, but she's probably going to live another 20 years just cause that's, hard, <laughs> they're fucking hard to kill, man. But I mean, you know, it's, she has a grandchild. She's never going to meet. She did that, that much damage. The last time I saw her was at a funeral and I don't want to say I have hatred, I know that if I would have lived with her for a few more years, I probably would have killed her, if I'm being completely honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so now going from that very aggressive bully mentality you know almost like a pimp that was her Mm -hmm. game she really liked to get in there she did it to all of her kids and then to whatever grandkids she could get her hands on too and Mm -hmm. now she's 80 or 70 something she's a bit senile and you know she's this old lady in a wheelchair okay the last time i saw her i I kept saying to myself i'm not going to talk to her i'm not going to talk to her you know and the mm-hmm. moment came where we kind of squared up with each other, and it just, she was like, what, I can't have a hug? And I was just like, and I still went in and gave her that hug. It is the weirdest wow. thing. And no, and it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> it wasn't like, a, oh, let bygones be bygones. It was it was a reaction, like a, I don't know how to You were explain. trained well. Yeah. You were trained well to respond to a tone and a voice and a, <laughs> an expectation. I was hit a lot. <laughs> So it's very, you, you it's, look, you knew like it's, it's really truly in those situations, your brain goes back into survival mode and it knows how to survive in those ways. And it, what it said to you was, we still do this because it's the only way we guarantee our safety. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> That's it. It's so weird. Right. And I understand yep. it when I hear people's stories, it just, it makes me sad to know that there are people Absolutely. out there that are going to just like me, you know, they're going to go 20 years before they finally get a grip enough to realize that it's all wrong and you've got to retrain yourself, man. You've got to do better. You've got to know you're fighting your own fucking machine inside and you have to know how that operates. And if you're not doing yourself this, the service of objectively looking at some of the decisions that you make when it comes mm-hmm. to your, your mindset, your lifestyle, your family, then I don't know what to tell you, man. It's... It's, you can't just blame it on ignorance anymore because it's right there if you're paying attention. Well, and I think the thing you talked about around shame is really is really important because part of how we police people and how we train people to function, whether that be at the family systemic level of how we, how we train children, um, whether it be at the larger, bigger level of how we as a society keep other people in line to follow the rules, whether it be a domestic violence situation, so much of that is about shame. Yeah. We use shame to to manipulate. We use shame to bully and control. Um, and it works because of the way that shame works. Um, I, if, if that's sort of a thing that comes up for people, there's a couple of really great books um, by Brene Brown. She does a lot of work around vulnerability and shame. And uh, so I thought it was just me as one that really sort of breaks down the, the shame thing, daring greatly is another one. And, and the truth is, is once you start to learn about how shame works and you can start to recognize the triggers in yourself that, that where you have shame and where some of your behaviors and reactions and come from that place, then you can really start to make some change around that. Like, look, I, I, we all know clearly I'm a therapist. I'm totally biased. I think everyone should be. But I also understand that that's not everyone's reality. Not everyone has the insurance coverage or the financial ability or any of that access to a library. And those are books you can get. Therapy itself is a privilege. We've we've made mental health care in this country something that very often only rich people can afford. The Shit, money. I don't by have the way. money for it now. <laughs> you know, for all accounts, I should probably be seeing a therapist. But <laughs> I just well, you know my stance on that. I'm going to say yes, you should. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe one day when they get the the, the digital therapist, the uh, 
the Windows therapist. Well, there be. are there's lots of weird <laughs> options now. Like there's even an app on your phone that some therapists work through. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to there's like teletherapy and some of that's weird around like legality around um, like licensures and state crossings over and that yeah, kind of no thing. Shit. But there's <laughs> this is a HIPAA violation of some sort, I'm sure. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, there will be, there's lots of ways that people are trying to change that system. So people have more accountability for it. And it's not that I don't think people can do some of the work on themselves, right? It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there are times that you don't like, there's some work you can do on your car yourself. Right. And right. then, there's some things you take it to the mechanic for, right? Because that's you're a their mechanic. expertise. That's what they know. <laughs> that's unless you know exactly what you're fucking doing, which you probably don't. You're going to watch a YouTube video. Can you do it without watching a video? Then you probably don't know yes. how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I think that there's lots of things that like we can start to lay the groundwork for ourselves, right? Like there's small pieces we, we can do to start to heal our own wounds. And healing our own wounds helps us break some of these cycles so we don't pass the pain on yeah. you know transgenerational trauma trauma truly changes your dna you know the ways in which trauma has transmitted through the african-american community like i would say the same thing applies for for people who grow up in poverty like that sort of trauma and always living in survival mode that impacts the genetic makeup of people if we really want to change some of that we have to heal the like our own stuff so we don't keep perpetuating this and your ability to recognize that, like to recognize that I want to do something different, that's how that starts. Having children really makes a difference, right? Yeah, big time. I think Because you have to look at yourself and what you want that's different for your kids. Yeah. I've had a, I've had a, a rough time with it, to be honest with you. Um, I'm getting a lot better. But for a long time, I, I really thought that I was going crazy because I felt like instinctual reactions to stuff. Like I remember... Like the first time my wife left me alone with the kid and he was crying and he wouldn't stop. And it's like, mm. I didn't, I didn't do anything would, would hurt the kid at all. But like, mm -hmm. it's weird that you start to get those feelings. And I don't know if that's from trauma. I don't know if that's like a, a reaction to crying, like nerves are high. I don't know what it is, you know, but like when I hear these stories about these, these people that like beat their kids to death and stuff like that, mm -hmm. or they throw him across the room because he won't stop crying like I get it I understand that mm -hmm. there's something that happened to you in your life that there's a reaction that goes through your brain I felt it like I had to go and like the first night when my wife came home I drove down to the car wash <laughs> and I was on my cell phone fucking googling you know it's like am I fucking crazy like what the fuck is going on here and it's <laughs> like I've just I've had to kind of really adjust myself I don't I don't believe in promoting violence whatsoever against children. Don't try to argue with me about it. And I don't mean you. I mean anybody else. Like, I don't care what you think. Mm -hmm. It's it's my opinion that you shouldn't hit kids. Because every time I've even swatted his hand over something, mm -hmm. he, he immediately swats back at me. I mean, that's not Oh, yeah. We, we pretend that we that's, don't promote violence, but we do it every day. Yeah. No, that's... It's children. That's a reaction. That's yeah. what's supposed to happen. There shouldn't be a moment in his right. life when somebody hits him that he doesn't have the natural reaction to hit him back. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I don't want to teach him that it's okay. 
And you don't want to teach him that it's okay that the people who are allowed to hit you are, are people the people who are bigger and stronger. Or even the people that provide for you. Like, you want to talk about uh, some that bullshit too, right? with, with the, the patriarchal society. I'm sure that yeah. there are people out there with daughters who spank and smack the living shit out of them and then turn around and take them out. To, and it's their parents, their fucking, their mothers even. Smack it. You think I've never seen my grandma smack the shit out of out of her kids? Like, dude, <laughs> there are people in this world who don't give a fuck yeah. about their kids, and then they those people grow up, and they're just willy nilly running around, you know, maybe having kids of their own and having no training, and it's just we got to stop, man. Well, having <laughs> and having right and having no understanding of what it means to be securely attached and to feel safe, and how can you? help your children feel securely attached and feel safe if that's nothing you've ever experienced and and you are actively doing the work to learn that but you might not even know that that's a thing right like you might not even understand that other people's experiences of the world like other people have really low affection for their parents and you're like I don't understand that that's not a world I grew up in how can I even give that to my kid when I didn't know it was a thing like I, I mean I'm willing to even give some I'm even willing to give I'm willing to give lots of people a lot of generosity around this in part because I do believe some of it is sort of you can't give what you never had what do you do with that and like I listened to you talk about that situation with your son and the word that came to mind and, and you can tell me if it out of line or not accurate but what I heard was helplessness like I don't know what to do about this yeah I don't know how to help I don't know how to fix it and our response to helplessness we're sort of trained to be violent right like yeah when we feel helpless, we lash out. And I, I try to fix it. You know, I try to really learn how to disengage with him. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mentioned it, I think, in that episode. I've only actually swatted his ass one time. And that gave me enough of a feeling that I knew, like, I can't. I'm not going to do that again. Not for a while. <laughs> That's just not, it's not cool. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I hear some of these things that are happening around the world. Not the world. The, the United States <laughs> shit is way mm -hmm. different across the pond <laughs> but like <laughs> recently in Atlanta they talked about I guess a school that had decided to reinstate corporal punishment <sighs> so it's weird I feel some sort of way about that <laughs> I'm sure and it's just to me this was my immediate reaction I went to a school uh, eighth and ninth grade that allowed corporal punishment I have been spanked by a fucking uh, a gym coach basically uh. and it was a simple process there were rules and regs you couldn't get more than three licks at a time you couldn't get more than three sessions in a day so no more than nine swats on the ass were you allowed in a single day uh but basically wow. the the teacher would knock on the door in the middle of class because they have to have a witness <laughs> so they would call another teacher in the oh, hallway god. oh yeah this is real this still happens i'm sure like i'm pretty sure you can still get your ass paddled at this school but you knock on the door and then the teacher would be like oh shit you know hey come here let me see you for a second and then everybody would get real quiet <laughs> and outside the one teacher yeah. would make you put your hands on the wall and he would swat your ass about three times with a like a standard issued fucking school paddle I got it once. I think my middle school had. I think my middle school principal had a paddle, if I remember correctly. Right. So there's a small part of me, if I'm just being honest, that thinks paddling to an extent. Okay. I don't think you should hit kids ever. So I think at that point in my life, I was what? What's eighth, ninth grade? Like four, uh, fifteen? 
Yeah. 16 around 14, there. 15, yeah. Yeah. I think that maybe when you get to an early teenage, if there are systems in, like, school, for instance, where it's the fucking jungle, you can't do shit in school, raise your voice to a child and see if you don't have somebody's fucking mom up your ass later that day for screaming there for you know dressing their kid down in, in your classroom in front of everybody i wonder if maybe a system of spanking for maybe teenagers could be some sort of benefit i don't know just i think that's the only time it would be effective when it can actually be used as like a little bit of shame but also like Hey man, you're not gonna fucking disrupt the class. You're not going to run things here. This is not how we do shit. I don't know. Well, I think the fact that that that's even like where your head goes says that in some ways you've been convinced maybe the threat of violence is full tool <laughs> manipulation. Right. Like, and what we do to children is manipulate them. Let's not. Let's not pretend we don't. It's truly power over. If you really want to see how the system works, look at how we treat children. It, it really is so much about how do I control you? And so what society has taught us over the years is part of how we control people is either outright using violence or the threat of violence. Particularly, you know, black people are constantly on edge and having to watch where they are and how they behave and, and are, are hyper vigilant around those things is because there is a constant threat of violence against them. Always, no matter where they go, where they are, they walk on eggshells. And this is the thing, you know, around domestic violence. One of the things that I ask if people are questioning whether or not the relationship is, is abusive, I, I ask, like, do you walk on eggshells a lot? Like, do you feel like you're always monitoring and trying to control your, your own behavior so it doesn't sort of trigger the the violence that tends to happen and they're like very often you know victims are like yes i feel like i'm always walking on eggshells i'm always worried about their mood and how they're at and like what i'm going to come home to and this this is what people of color walk through the world with every single day around police and around white people and you know that's a horrible way to live like it is an awful way to live we tell you know, domestic violence victims to get the fuck out. Well, for people of color, that's the reality of the world every day. That's not like, that's not just their home. That's like every time they go out into the street, that's the way yeah. they live. If you don't have and to so, get ready to get hit, you stay ready to get hit. <laughs> exa- exactly. And what toll does that take on your mental and physical health? Like think about yourself as a child and how on edge, like the way, the way you talk about what happened to as a kid numerous levels of trauma right like so many of them how much of your childhood did you spend vigilantly anticipating somebody's next move towards you a lot (laughs) and i was alone a lot so right and you're you're waiting for someone to come home and who's going to do the next thing that hurts me and and how do i stay alive and stay safe and that's something the grown-ups are supposed to but you were left to do that alone as a child and in some ways you had no power to stay safe and i'm like right we've we've created a system for people of color that that's almost always the case in every space in their life well that's really fucking shitty and and we do this to children too. Children never know if they're safe in their own houses, right? Like parents are allowed to do so much. Yeah, pretty much. And whatever. kids have no voice. <laughs> pretty much whatever. <laughs> right, unless somebody catches them, right? Yeah, unless you do it in Walmart, like, then somebody unless might whip somebody their phone says, 
unless they come to therapy and I I have a kid who tells me that, you know, call DCFS, right? Like I call the Department of Children and Family Services. So, or a school or a teacher or something like that. But lots of, lots of adults get away with treating any way they want to. You're living proof of that. And you've made different choices for yourself around how you want to parent. Nobody taught you that, right? Like you're having to figure that out on your own. Absolutely. But that's, I guess that's my job at the end of the day, right? <laughs> Try to decipher the good from the bad and, and give them the best option. And I think that's what so many people are doing is trying to figure that out, right? Like, I hope so. I, I hope that it's more people than I've noticed. Because <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of shit yeah. people still walking around out there and they're teaching their kids how to be shitheads too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, so, I can't really. Well, <laughs> Rachel. Hope though, I think. I think ultimately I have hope. Yeah. Me too. It's there. I just keep watching and keep trying to, to do the best I can. So when I put my shithead kid out into the world, maybe he won't be such a bad guy, you know? <laughs> and I think that's I, I think that's an admirable goal, right? Like, how we, can I put the best, how can I help my kid be the best version of themselves and put that into the world? Like, I, I mean, I think that's a pretty good goal for a parent. Give them all the things I never had, like manners and a good family structure and self-confidence and you know that's, that's right. what you're supposed to give them not fucking I think self-esteem is a huge piece of that I think at our core so much of the so much of the behavior we see even in adults is because they don't feel good about who they are as a person yeah it all comes from there man mm-hmm. love yourself Absolutely. a little more people that's all we want that'll help that's the first step <laughs> Right. Rachel Miller, I know you got shit to do. And I think my baby just woke up too. <laughs> so look, go oh. give me your plugs. Let people know where to get a hold of you if you don't mind, because I might have oh, some, no, some people that would like to contact you. So if you don't mind, do that. I have a domestic violence focused page called Awareness Wednesdays on Facebook. Um, that's really focused on, you know, survivor support and, you know, information on domestic violence and all of that. You can reach my stuff there. And a lot of my writing on domestic violence is on that page. Um, you can also find my therapy page on Facebook, which is Rachel D. Miller AMFT. Um, you should be able to find that there. Um, you can find me on Psychology Today under the same thing. So if you're looking for therapy, you can do that. Um, yeah, I think that's all. I mean, I'm on Instagram too, but I don't remember what my handle is on there right now. <laughs> what was the Twitter again? I think it kind of stuck a little right there. Twitter is, but that's where I'm probably most active on Twitter. Um, you can that's really where sort of I got get a hold of you. So it's the best way. Okay, on uh, Twitter, it's uh, at Miller yep. Rachel ID. D. So there you go. So, I think there's a few things yep. I'm going to have to clean up, and I. I I hope the audience will will understand that for some reason Skype is just being a dick after it's on for an hour. Uh, so well, and it did this to it did this to Brooke and Randall the other night too. We had like we had some stuff one, going in and out. Like and, one hour is where it starts to start fucking up, and it's always when you get into a good conversation. I'm gonna have to go back and cut out a couple times where I was going, Rachel, Rachel, <laughs> you were just talking, yeah, and making a point, and it was going, eh, but, eh, eh, eh. Oh, and I'm shit. like, fuck. So. Well, look, and if you want, if you want to sort of revisit some of that stuff and re-record it, let me know. I, we can jump on at another time that works for you to do that if you want to. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you, Rachel, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, Try not to freeze to death at your you football too? game. <laughs> uh, 
God, I'm like looking outside going, do I have to go? But it's it'll be the only game of his I've made this year, so I need to get right. to see him. Oh, so. no. Well, good luck. So that was my conversation with Rachel Miller. Uh, y'all, I, I really hope that it didn't get too fucked up in the editing process. And I'm going to try to to cut out some of the bad spots, but hopefully it won't be too hard on the ears. She's a very, very well-spoken, very educated woman. And uh, I would hate for anything that she said to not be heard because uh, she's very impressive. I don't know really what to say from here <laughs> as far as that goes. Guys, we're going to do better. I say guys, I don't mean just guys. I mean everybody. We got to tighten up a little bit, man. Try to own our shit a little more and uh, realize that we're not perfect. We're all a little fucked up. <laughs> and try to teach our kids to be a little better. I think that's the goal here. That's what we're all striving for, y'all. Some people are better at it than others. <laughs> but... um. We got some some new stuff going on here in in Po'boyville, and I would like to announce that we have uh, officially a brand new sponsor. So BioBidet is a company that is getting into the movement of bidets. You know, we're kind of the pigs here. We're the animals, uh, the Western civilization. The the Eastern cultures have been using them for a long time. Saves on all that paper, you know. And I've been interested, and they sent me one. I haven't got to hook it up yet because I'm going to go for the full experience. I got a new toilet I got to install, and uh, we're going to set it up in the secret hideaway bathroom so that strangers and children don't fuck with my shit. But I'm looking very much forward to it. Uh, Biobidet.com. You can go there. They've got all kinds of models ranging from you know several hundred dollars if you want the many, many ultra options of blow drying and all kinds of crazy shit. But basically, recently, they had a campaign with Indiegogo for a mainstream, uh, high-production model, the Slim Edge. And they not only hit their goal, they they surpassed it. So now, basically, this is the rollout campaign. Uh, You can go to the Indiegogo if you'd like to donate money to them, but I think they hit it. You know, they they got what they needed. And now, if you go to biobidet.com, you can enter the promo code POBOYS you get 10% off so officially I think they ship anything over $50 for free so you can get yourself a standard issue slim edge biobidet model for $55 and you can start renting your butthole aren't you looking forward to having a clean butthole it's amazing I saw a, a video the other day an instructional video of different styles that when you're sitting there and the things blowing water in your ass you kind of you can do like I think they said one was the the washing machine which is where you gyrate on the thing to get everything clean there's one called the sumo which is where you lift one leg and you lift the other leg (laughs) then there was the grind where you you know what that is motherfucker be careful you're gonna spray your balls if you get too down in there anyway biobidet.com go check them out and also our normal sponsors we have merch you can go there to get any uh products if you have ideas for shit let me know i'll get it made <laughs> he's not picky he's a great dude over there and we all try to help support uh the indie the indie folks so we have merch.com for all the products spunk lube get some slippery on your dick yeah spunklube.com I don't have a promo code for that. It's not that expensive. And uh, if you enjoy fucking or whacking your shit off, whatever, if you enjoy 
putting shit on your feet and sliding down the hallway. It's also great for that. So go there, get you some, give it a shot. Spunk lube. It was it was very enlightening, very uh, nice to get to speak with Rachel today. I mean, we didn't dig too far into each other's history. I think we kind of realized we were like two gunslingers passing in 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 the day. You know, just all right, man. So I'm sure that there will be a follow-up and maybe we'll dig a little deeper. But I respect the shit out of her. I think that she is a very intelligent person. And she is trying to use her powers for good. And I don't really care what her political affiliation is. I don't really have to agree with everything she thinks. But what I do think is she has everybody's best interests in mind. So please, please support her. Uh, Check out her books. She wrote an article or a book on anal by the way, uh, you could probably type it in. Look, go to Google search, uh, Rachel Miller. And I believe it's 10, like 10 rules to, to great anal is something about that. She's an expert, man. I'm telling you, if you have any weird questions, things that you think, you know, you'd be uncomfortable asking, send them to me. I'll get in contact. We'll have a chat with Rachel and find out what's going on. So as usual, like subscribe, Leave a review, five stars preferably, uh, two stars, I guess, if if you don't like the show. But don't leave me one star, you fuck. <laughs> I put effort into this. Um, you can contact me through Twitter, at PoBoyPod, at JodyB501. And uh, that's it. Tell your friends, tell your mama. Tell your friends, mama, about the show. And you motherfuckers have a wonderful week. Do better. Try to be a better person. We're going to get through this together, I promise. But we got to help each other out a little bit, you fuckers. (laughs) Bye. It's a long and-